The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, King Solomon is an amazing individual by any standard of measurement. And when we think of Solomon, we think of wisdom because he had asked God for wisdom. But he also gave his life to pursuing pleasure, the pursuit of uh, the, the sensual pleasures of this world. He gave his life to knowledge. He wanted to learn things. And uh, he uh, poured himself into knowledge and learning and then money and achievement and building things. And you get the sense that Solomon was forever on a quest. He was questing, and many today are like that. But, you know, at the end of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, he says, um, and this is at the end of his life, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. I welcome you to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, and this is one of those very special days. Thrilled to have with us at the microphone today, Jim Stanley, and we're going to talk about uh, Solomon and Israel after Solomon passed away, and uh, just some of the reasons that they went through some tough times, division, after Solomon had passed away. But Brother Jim Stanley, we welcome you back to the Exploring the Word program. Well, thank you, Alex. It's good to be with you this afternoon. Uh, Brother Bert had another cataract taken care of today, and so he's out today, and I'm kind of sitting in for him, and again, it's my pleasure to do so. You know, Alex, one of the things that we talked about there, or that you and Bert have talked about, was, was Solomon. And as we come to the end of his life, it's, it's almost if, as though Solomon really forgot the wisdom that God had endued him with. Uh, mm-hmm. He began to take on wives of, uh, you know, of idolaters. And so he, he kind of fell. But before his death, there seems to be evidence that he came back to God. Yeah, I think that we, we had that call several days ago. Did Solomon go to heaven? Uh, I think so. I mean, I really did. Now, now let's remember the people in the Old Testament, they lived before Calvary. David himself, the father of Solomon, King David, uh, lived about a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. How did they get saved? Well, in faith, they looked toward the Messiah that would come. In faith, we look back at the Messiah that did come. Mm. Same Jesus same Messiah, just two different sides of the cross. And when you read the end, you know, all these things that he pursued, like money and pleasures and accomplishments and building things, you know, you read Ecclesiastes and he says, you know, I put my hand to building things like no no other man had built. Solomon once built a stable for a thousand horses and chariots. And so um, he was kind of a I mean, fill in the blank, celebrity, rock star, billionaire, uh, people traveled around the world to, to get an audience with Solomon, and he said it's vanity. Jim, do you get the sense when you read about the the insatiable quests of the heart of Solomon that it, it was almost like that famous um, rich person, I think it was J. Paul Getty, who, uh, this is 100 years ago, but they said, how much money is enough? And J. Paul Getty said, just a little bit more. Mm. Um, The heart of Solomon was not satisfied till the end of his life. He said, this is the duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, I think we'll see Solomon in heaven. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things there that we we do believe that he came back to God and that he found forgiveness. And it goes back to what you said, that you know, Christ is the same regardless of the age. You know, we have uh, we have the before Christ, and you know, even the calendars divided by that before Christ and uh, after Dominion. Uh, so it, it's one of those things that we have to know um, in whom we believe, and the grace that is there for us, it's there for others as well. Yeah, well, it is, and you know. 
whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Uh, Romans ten thirteen. And so uh, in all of this, look, we are all sinners. We really are. But no matter who you are, God loves you. And no matter what you've done, he will forgive you if you turn to him and ask. And um, I, we always want to make that clear that salvation is is offered to all. And if you don't know if you're saved, by all means, this day, uh, perhaps the Lord's allowing you to hear this radio program even right now to get you to think about your your soul. But I want to talk about, Jim, if we could, I want to talk about after the death of King Solomon. Now, Solomon, remember, uh, David reigned uh, like 40 years, mm-hmm. 33 years and seven years. Solomon also reigned 40 years. And we talked about this. Um, there's a very famous book on numbers in Scripture by a guy named E.W. Bullinger, and I think it's pretty balanced, but 40 is kind of a number of testing or probation. And, you know, um, 40 days in the wilderness was a test. Well, they had 40 years under Solomon for all of his, you know, backslidings and on-again, off-again walk with the Lord. There was peace. There was prosperity. There was stability. Uh, They had favor with many foreign nations. But yet, after the death of King Solomon, the kingdom split into a northern kingdom, which uh, stayed uh, under the name of Israel, and a southern kingdom called Judah. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot we could say about this. Um, It was a time of instability. Okay, the northern kingdom, Israel, had uh, four different cities that were the capital. And the southern kingdom, Judah, the capital was Jerusalem, but, you know, very interesting, Jim, this instability. The northern kingdom had 19 kings. The southern kingdom had 19 kings, but there were revolts. There were civil wars. It was instability after instability. Now, I'm going to tell you why these kinds of things happen, but let me just say this, Jim, and I, I'm always trying to find out how we can apply the Word of God to our own situation, because I'm very concerned for our own nation. Um, under Solomon and David, I mean, they had 80 years. I mean, even though the house of David had turmoil, and there was the death of Absalom, which was very tragic, and then, you know, um, Solomon's anointing as king was not without some struggle. But we're talking a century of prosperity, stability, and, uh, you know, increase. And yet, Solomon wasn't even cold in the ground, and there's a, a split and a civil war. They were tested, and they failed the test. Um, Jim, we've had 240-plus years in America of stability, prosperity, and liberty. Mm-hmm. And it looks like we may be losing it before our very eyes. Why do we humans frequently fail the tests of loyalty to God, our our provider? Well, as a as a human, as as we all are, but I mean, I'm speaking for me personally here. Uh, sometimes it's because it's the easier path. You know, the path that we're called to call. Pardon me, we're called to follow as Christians is not always easy. But He has promised that He would take it, take us through it from day to day. And then when we live a, within a country that has as much as America has to offer, you know, we, we kind of get dazzled by the things that are going on around us, and we get lost in those headlights. And, you know, again, Satan's always there whispering, surely you won't surely die. God didn't say this. God didn't say that. And then he uses other things to distract us, to tempt us away from God. And so we really have to be careful as Christ followers that we don't let some of the things, even politics, regardless if you're Republican, Democrat, or independent, libertarian, whatever you are, we can't let politics distract us from Christ. We can't let our personal opinions distract us from Christ. Even though we may think our our personal opinions are rooted in Scripture, and they very well may be, we have to be careful that they don't interfere with the ministry that Christ might have called us to. Does that make mm. sense? It really does. It really does. You know, all the way back in Deuteronomy, 
Uh, it's very interesting, Deuteronomy 8, uh, which was, you know, centuries before all this. Um, it, let me read just a little bit of this. It says, The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land with brooks and streams and water and hills and figs and vines and olive oil, pomegranates. There's not going to be any scarcity there. There's even going to be all this food uh, but copper and minerals in the hills. And Deuteronomy 8, verse 10, which they would have done well to remember, says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, uh, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful, Deuteronomy 8, 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, mm. failing to observe his commandments, laws, and decrees that I give you this day. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you build fine houses, settle down, your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and gold increases and is multiplied. Deuteronomy 8.14, beware that your heart becomes proud right. and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery, led you through the vast wilderness, past the snakes and scorpions, brought you uh, water out of the rock, gave you manna to eat. And it says, beware lest you say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have done these things and produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The Lord confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors. So they had had prosperity and everything a nation might dream of under Solomon, and he built the temple of the living God. David might have brought the lumber to the job site, but Solomon built it. And I think they did, um, in the spirit of uh, the warnings of Deuteronomy 8, they did forget the Lord their God. And they, they might have said to themselves, you know, wow, we're pretty creative. We build great buildings. We have water fountains, and we have literacy. And uh, after Solomon died, though, there was a split into the, a northern and southern kingdom. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But Jim, let me just throw some things out here. Nations, churches, even families and individuals can fall away from God. They can fall away from God's plan. They can fall away from each other. And they can certainly fall away from God's blessings, can't they? They sure can. And, you know, as important as it is to live for Christ, it's more important that we live for Christ day in and day out, that we don't forget him, that we remember who gives us what we have. And, you know, a lot of folks would say, well, in America, we still have those that are without. You know, it's very hard to be without in America. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Please hear me, because I know it does. I, I see people who are homeless, and uh, I, I've worked with folks like that. And it's one of those things that we have to be sure that we show them Christ and not just an uppiness of spirit, you know, it, that we want to be sure that we're an example of being his hands and feet. And, Alex, I think the point you made there in Deuteronomy, you know, really bears that out. Uh, one of the things with both David and Solomon is they had become so important in their own eyes that they forgot that God was supposed to be the one that was important and they were simply to be his instruments. Folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley, along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and we'll be back with more right after this. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Michael Orlando, Acting Director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. His office leads counterintelligence efforts for the U.S. government. Psalm 138.7 reminds us of God's protection from evil. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God. We ask for guidance for Michael Orlando as he works to protect U.S. assets and interests. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. 
To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says when we reflect Christ to the world, even Satan can't help but take notice. He'll explain with the help of this example as we spend two minutes with Tony. It's 1936. The place is Germany. Jesse Owens belonged to the United States. He's in the Olympics in Germany in a hostile environment. The Germans view themselves as superior. The head of the evil empire came and sat in his chair, Adolf Hitler, to proclaim that in this kingdom I'm king and in this kingdom I'm demonstrating who the greatest is. Four gold medals later, after Jesse Owens had put the shame in the Third Reich as he had demonstrated Hitler had to get up and leave. You may work in a hostile environment. You may live in a hostile environment, but it ought to be clear you belong to another kingdom. You belong to another king and you represent that kingdom. Satan has his doctors. Christ ought to have his. Satan has his lawyers. Christ ought to have his. Satan has his teachers. Christ ought to have his. Satan has his businessmen and women. Christ ought to have his. Satan has his housewives. Christ ought to have his. Satan has his husbands. Christ ought to have his. Satan has his men. Christ ought to have his. Satan has his women. Christ ought to have his. Satan has his secretaries. Christ ought to have his. The unrighteous can represent hell. God has called you to represent heaven because he's invited you to walk with him. Learn more about what it's like to walk side by side with the Lord. Check out Tony's two-volume teaching series, Heroes of the Faith, available online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here Good afternoon and welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley sitting in for Brother Bert Harper today. And with me, uh, by via the internet, if you will, is my good friend, Dr. Alex McFarland. And Alex, we were you were starting to break down the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah for us and how that came about and how when it, when it did come about, each of them had 19 kings. Break that down for us some. Well, uh, thanks very much. Yeah, you've got to remember the purpose for which God raised up the nation of Israel, ultimately to send Jesus, the Savior. God had called Abraham. This was back in Genesis 12. And um, Jim, one of the most significant statements ever uttered uh, by God and ever heard by man Abraham, through you, all the families of the earth would be blessed Mm. because it was through the nation of Israel, through the lineage of Abraham, that our Savior came into the world. So Satan was forever trying to derail God's plan of salvation. And after the death of Solomon, the kingdom split, and and there were really um, dynasties and civil wars. And you you think about this. Um, The southern kingdom... Uh, Judah was called Judah. At least they had one capital and one center of worship. uh, Jerusalem was the capital, and Jerusalem was where the worship took place because that was where Solomon had built the temple. But in the northern kingdom, which took the name of Israel, uh, Shechem, Penuel, uh, Tirzah, Samaria, these were all the different capitals. Then there were worship centers, and they at least three and probably half a dozen, Bethel, Dan, Samaria. And finally, and this is so sad, because remember the old saying, united we stand, divided we fall? Ultimately, the northern kingdom, Israel, would be taken over by the Assyrians. 208 years after the death of Solomon, the Assyrians would take the northern kingdom and then about four, well, 370 years after the death of Solomon, the southern kingdom would be taken over by the Babylonians. Now, you know what's amazing, Jim, is that even, I mean, you, you might think, well, the plan of salvation is just hopelessly off kilter. 
I mean, there is, there is no nation of Israel anymore. Half a millennia before Jesus was born, both northern and southern kingdoms had been carried away into exile. And yet, there was a regathering, even though it was under Roman rule, and Jesus was born. And then in A.D. 70, Israel was, was decimated, and for 2,000 years, well, really 1,900 years, there was no Israel and skeptics may, you know, mocked this. Well, fast forward to 1948, and the nation of Israel was reborn. Now, Jim, I want to get back to how churches and nations split, but I want to say this. Uh, I believe, Jim, that we're living in very significant times prophetically, mm-hmm. because just before Jesus was born, a couple of hundred years before the birth of Christ, Israel was regathered, although they were under Roman dominion, largely, but Christ was born. Well, 73 years ago, even though the seeds of the rebirth of Israel were sown as far back as the 20s, um, but it took till 1948 to do it, um, when God does something within the nation of Israel, historically prophetic things take place. Uh, we're 73 years since Israel was reconstituted as a nation. Um, I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow's newspaper will say, Jim, but I know that uh, when God works through Israel, the hinge of history turns. Mm. Yes, I would agree with that wholeheartedly, and it, it's one of those things that we see, we have seen, and do see Israel falling under attack, and not just physical attack but also political and security t- uh, attacks as well. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to talk about how after the death of Solomon, there was this struggle, and ultimately they broke apart. And you know the northern and southern kingdoms, Jim, they, they each, I'm sure, were convinced that they were God's favored ones and doing the right thing, you know? All right, here's the thing. Uh, and we're, we're a nation in conflict right now. Sometimes churches get in conflict. Now, I know, Jim, none of our great listeners have probably ever been in a church conflict. And I know that that uh, all of our churches are harmonious and have no problem whatsoever. But i got to be honest, in all of my travels and goings and preachings, I've been in some churches that were having conflict. I know that's probably hard to believe, isn't it? Yes, sir. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> All right. Here's the thing, and I'm going to give seven reasons Israel split, and these are reasons, one or more reasons, churches, even nations can follow it. All right, before I give seven reasons, all church conflicts are about who holds the power, how the money is spent, and all church conflicts involve the quoting of Scripture. Have you ever noticed that, Jim? Mm. Uh, um, people can be at each other's throat, but if they're Christians, very often they'll justify what they're doing with Scripture. Right. But after the death of Solomon, here's, here's where the points of struggle came about. Struggle over power, struggle over conflicted priorities, struggle over crossed personalities, people that got sideways with each other, but also ignorance of their calling, ignorance of their past, loss of their identity, and then, in a general sense, pride and ingratitude. Now, Jim, let's talk about some of these things in in no particular order. Like with America, I think it is imperative that kids know the glorious past of our nation. That, I mean, America was birthed by, by biblical principles being woven into civic life. Um, and just like Israel had a great mission to be uh, the called-out people of God through whom the Messiah would come, uh, we as America, you know, we, we had liberty unlike any other nation. Um, Jim, after the death of Solomon, as and, and God did raise up prophets. I mean, there's a lot of prophets that would come and warn of judgment. But I, I don't know, have you ever wondered, Jim, as uh, struggle 
you know, intensified, and ultimately they would split the, into two kingdoms. And, you know, by the way, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, and uh, you don't read either one very much focusing on God's kingdom. But do you, do you think any people before the splitting of the nation were saying, wait a minute, people, wait, wait, just time out. We're, we're the chosen people of God. Mm. Uh, we're going to bring salvation to the world. We're going to bring the light of God to the Gentiles. Folks, we can't fracture like this because we're on mission for God. Think anybody ever said that? Oh, I'm sure some did. I mean, you know, just like today in in some denominations, you have people that are going against denominationalism, if you will, and trying to stay true to the Word of God. Uh, we see that in some very prominent Protestant religions or denominations, if you will, as well as some of our Catholic brethren who are moving through the minutiae of denominationalism to be sure that people know that the Lord is God. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, God bless the ones that, that try to keep their churches, their denominations uh, on biblical ground. Now, what what's really interesting is for the, um, you know, roughly 250-ish years after uh, the death of Solomon, all right, for the first 80-some years, there was continuous war. And isn't that sad mm. that these people that were the descendants of Abraham, I mean, they were killing each other. Why? Over power, personalities, priorities. They, they had forgotten their calling. They had forgotten their identity. And, you know, identity is a, a very important thing. We've got to remember who we are. We need to remember whose we are. We've got to remember our calling. Uh, Jim, I was on Today's Issues today with Ray Pritchard, and we were talking about civics. When you were coming up in school, did you have civics class? Yes, sir, and it's almost like Star Wars. It was a long, long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But, you know, I remember as a kid, they were telling us how the three branches of government and how a bill is, you know, presented and discussed and ratified. And I didn't understand it all, but I remember this. Our teachers kept saying, our country is unique. We don't have a king or a monarch, mm -hmm. and we're not like the USSR. I'm old enough, folks, that, oh golly, I was terrified of the USSR and becoming communist. But we could vote, send representatives to Washington, and they would in a diplomatic, democratic way, they would govern. Um, I, I did get this much, that America was unique. Right. And nowadays, Jim, I'm, I'm very concerned that so many young people, they seem to be coached into, at best, not caring about America, and at worst, hating America. And America's bad. And like the divided kingdom stage after the death of Solomon— you know, for the first 80 years, there was just continuous war. And then for 80 years, there was this cautious neutrality. But then, again, war uh, goes, uh, erupts. And they're, they're at war till they finally, under Assyrian and Babylonian captivities, just kind of fade and fizzle away. But um, now God sends prophets that are going to remind them of their calling the need to be unified, um, prophets. And Jim, isn't that what a good witness, you call it a witness for the gospel or a preacher or just a, a prophetic voice? And, and the reason I'm doing this, folks, is because maybe you and I are to be these emissaries of light and truth. We are to remind people that it's not about our power, but it's about God's power. Amen. We are, Psalm 133 how good it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And then our great calling. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Uh, we are not our own. We're bought with a price. And we live to make Christ known. And then a good witness or a preacher or a prophet reminds people of significant things of the past. A risen Savior. An empty tomb. 
that eastern sky that's going to split one day when Christ returns. Um, just like Israel after Solomon, and by the way, I don't think Solomon did all that much to remind them of their past or their identity or their calling. Right. Uh, it's no, little wonder that after he died it was um, somewhat quickly forgotten. But Jim, I think part of what we do Obviously, we're trying to introduce people to salvation through Jesus. But for those that do love God and country, maybe we're just a, a little voice trying to remind people and inspire people of our great identity, our great opportunity, and our great call for God and the Great Commission. Amen. Earlier, you mentioned that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And that's from Romans ten thirteen. I want to go to to another verse there that follows that, and it reinforces what you just said. How then shall they call on him, him in whom they have not believed? And how they shall be, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, mm. you don't have to be the guy standing in the front of the po- at you know behind the podium in the front of the auditorium to be a preacher for Christ. You, now, you can be that person if that's what the Lord has called you to. But, Alex, it really is important that we all be proclaimers of the gospel, isn't it? Amen. Amen. We are to be proclaimers of the gospel, and what an honor it is to do that. And let's remember the purpose of America. I mean, uh, people don't realize this now, but the purpose of America, what, like from uh, Christopher Columbus, he wrote as he discovered the North American continent, he said his mission in life was, quote, to bear the light of Christ to previously unknown hidden coastlands. And then the founders, Patrick Henry, one time, uh, Jim, Patrick Henry gave a Fourth of July speech one time, and he said that the two greatest dates in human history were, one, the Savior's birthday, December 25th, and then July 4th, our nation's birthday, Patrick Henry, remember, give me liberty or give me death. Why was July 4th, uh, in his mind, almost equal to Christmas? Because he said in his 4th of July speech that the birth of America was a, a leading link in the gospel dispensation. Isn't that something? Hey, I want to read a, a little paragraph for just a second, and we're talking about the divided kingdom after the death of Solomon and how they quickly digressed. Chuck Colson, who was a dear friend, um, he spoke for me in conferences many times. It was my privilege to uh, sit with his family at his funeral, Uh, Chuck Colson. But he said this. He said, Americans have achieved what modernism presented as life's great shining purpose, individual autonomy, the right to do whatever one chooses. Yet, This has not produced the promised freedom. Instead, it has led to the loss of civility, to kids shooting kids in schoolyards, citizens huddling in gated communities for protection. We've discovered, said Chuck Colson, that we cannot live with the chaos that inevitably results from choice divorced from moral truth. Now, Jim, that's basically saying if we erase God and morality, we're going to have chaos. Mm. Uh, and we do, don't we? We sure do. And it's made, I mean, all you have to do is read the front page of any newspaper or, you know, news service that you may subscribe to online. Uh, those things are out there and they stick up in our face every day. And at some point, the truth will win. We know that. But we have to be proclaimers of that truth. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word. We'll take your phone calls next at 888-589-8840. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Statistics show that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and to commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Yet the percentage of children born to fatherless homes has skyrocketed in America. As of 2015, 25% of white, 53% of Hispanic, and 73% of black babies are born into fatherless homes. While scripture teaches that the weight of raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord falls upon fathers. Seems like we need a movement that says fatherhood matters. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Remember the story of the Wizard of Oz? Dorothy, her dog Toto, and their friends travel to the Emerald City on the Yellow Brick Road, and they're hoping the wizard will give the cowardly lion courage, the tin man a heart, the scarecrow brains, and get Dorothy back home. They finally meet the so-called wizard, but Toto pulls back a curtain to reveal an ordinary man who admits he's a hoax. Similarly, we can place hope in people or things that disappoint us, but God never disappoints. He cares deeply for us, and His Holy Spirit fills our hearts with His love. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. In Him we were also chosen as God's own, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything by the counsel of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of His glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Hi, I'm Jim Stanley, along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we're going to take your calls now at 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And Alex, before I do go to the phone lines, I, I want to ask if you had any closing remarks uh, on what we were talking about today. Well, let's, uh, if you love, I always say this, Jim, if you love God and country, uh, look, we need each other. We do. Um, let's pray together, let's proclaim truth together, and like uh, John seventeen twenty one, that we could be one, O-N-E, one, that the world may believe. We just really don't have the luxury to be divided and against each other. Um, if you love the Lord, you love this nation, uh, we're family. Amen. Well, let's talk to Nancy calling from Arkansas now. Nancy, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, Nancy. Hello? Hi, how are y'all? Good. I know you're doing great. All I would like to do is say what a blessing you are to all of us. You are a light in the darkness, which we are in a dark time right now. And thank you for answering the question that I presented yesterday about Solomon, whether he would be in heaven or not. Mm. Uh, we are in a dark time right now, and thank you for shedding light on all of us that that sit here and listen to y'all intently. All right, Nancy, thank you so much for those kind words. God bless you. We appreciate that. Going to talk to Devin calling from Texas. Devin, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, good afternoon. So um, I, over, I was listening, and I heard... Uh, 
someone stayed or one of the guys stayed that um, Jerusalem and Israel had been reinstituted as a state in 1983. And then I also heard at another segment that uh, the number 40 uh, meant a number uh, like a year of trial or represent to that. I was wondering, we're coming up pretty close to 40 years since they've been reconstituted as a state. Would there be any correlation between the two as far as what's you know, what the nation's been going through since they've been constituted as a state in the last you know, 38, 37 years. Mm-hmm. Alex, I know uh, history is your strong suit, so have at it, brother. Well, well thanks. Yeah, um, they were reconstituted as a nation in May of 1948, and I said that had been 73 years ago. And um, let me tell you a couple of things I think are significant. Um, in Matthew 24, Jesus talked about the generation that sees these things fulfilled will not pass away. Now, a lot of debate has gone on about how long a generation is. Sometimes people have said, well, maybe 75 years. Um, Others have said, well, maybe some people alive at the time of Israel's rebirth would still be alive at the time of Christ's return. Um, Another way of looking at the Matthew 24 this generation will not pass away till all things be fulfilled. Maybe it just means the church, you know, this uh, generation meaning a lineage of believers. But at any rate, um, the re- reborn nation of Israel has been around now 73 years. Um, at about the 20-year mark in 1967, there was something called the Six-Day War that was miraculous. I'm not going to tell the whole story right now. But basically, uh, 180,000 troops attacked 20,000 troops, and uh, Israel defended itself and tripled its land holdings. Then in 1973, there was a war called the Yom Kippur War, and we just, Yom Kippur was just a little over a week ago. So I'm a little leery, Jim, of trying to set specific dates or anything and say, okay, well, on this day, this is going to happen or whatnot. Because really, ultimately, only the Lord knows. But I know this. um, um, Many a Christian leader over the last 2,000 years believed, interestingly, a couple of things would happen just before the end of time. There would be a regathering of the Jews to their homeland, which is absolutely happening. Mm -hmm. Another thing, like John Wesley, Charles Wesley, Martin Luther, the great reformers, they believed that just before the end of time, there would be a rise of Islam. And my goodness, I think we've certainly seen that over the last 30, 40 years. So we're living in, I, I think, prophetically significant times. Uh, but the main thing we know, Christ is going to return. We need to be ready, and we need to help others get ready. Amen. Devin, thanks for the call this afternoon. Hope that helped. going to talk to Andy from Georgia now. Andy, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing well. Yeah, I wish I could say the same. I, y'all, when I turned on my radio, I got my car, and it's talking about a crisis of our own making. That's the first thing I heard, and he said he wanted some calls. But it, it's the truth, right? That's the truth. This is a crisis of our own making. The church was never meant to be weak. I think I think that turned the other cheek scripture that Jesus says, you know, I know we need to turn the other cheek sometimes and say, hold, hold up now. This ain't the way things go. But at the same time, we don't need to be run over. And for a long time, a long, long time, the evil left has been running us over. And uh, the church needs to stand up and do something. If it's, I ain't quite sure what it is, but I know we can't just keep being quiet. We need to come together. There's strength in numbers. I know all throughout the old Testament there was wars with Gideon and uh, the walls of Jericho and all that. All that people had to do was show up. All right. Hey, Andy, thanks for the call this afternoon. We sure appreciate it. Alex, he is right. We as the church collectively, we need to be doing something for Christ. And I would not dispute that at all. But it is one of those things I think that we, when we do stand together, we want to make sure that we're standing on the very principles of Christ. You know, uh, goodness, when, when we think of onward Christian soldiers, you know, we forget sometimes that we are called to be the body of Christ, and so, and we we are talked about having to put on our armor and do these different things. And while the armor, there was a lot of defensive principles given there, 
there was also the offensive principle given with the word of God. So when mm-hmm. we look at that, we're not supposed to fight in our own intelligence. We're not supposed to fight in our own knowledge and our own strength, are we? No, and, uh, you know, I, I do, as a pastor and Christian uh, and disciple, because that's what we all are, we're just disciples of Jesus, but I do, I want to call on pastors everywhere, preach the Word, mm. equip your people to think and live biblically. Uh, Family Research Council, FRC, with our dear friend Tony Perkins, incredibly respected organization, Family Research Council is just uh, tried and true. And they've got a a research arm, and um, Brent Creeley had sent me this this morning, Jim, that FRC, uh, they've done some research, and um, well over half of adult Americans claim to be Christian. Well, praise God, that's great, right? But roughly only 6% of those think and believe from a truly biblical perspective. Right. So while we, we've got, you know, well over 50% of adults claim to be Christians, but if, if you know, 45% of those are thinking in unbiblical terms about things like morals and life and marriage and our, our culture and voting and things like that, we, we need a biblically informed perspective. And so I want to call on pastors uh, to preach the word, mm. teach your people to to be bold for the truth, and so and obviously we need to pray, we need to win souls, but um, I want to call on pastors to preach uh, obviously the gospel, but groom your parishioners to care about this country, mm-hmm. Jim. I, I think a lot of pulpits and a lot of pastors have been very silent about the state of the country, and I know, look, I know our home is in heaven. I know that. But, Jim, I, I don't think our home in heaven precludes us from also attending to the care and preservation of the good old USA. Amen. I would agree with that. Um, and, you know, this is one of those times. Earlier when you were talking about civics and the different branches of our government, I saw an article earlier this week that uh, more than 50% didn't know about the branches of our government, you know? And mm. so when we get uh, that, this may go back to the basics, you know, that we teach Bible, that we teach uh, the history and, and the history of America as it really is and not as it's been remodified throughout the years. But, uh, you know, you take an American history book, say from when I was in school, you know, back mm-hmm. when they were still on paper uh, papyrus and, you know, things like that came on big scrolls. Come on now. Uh, but, <laughs> and, and you look at that then versus an American history book today, you'd see how much of that has been rewritten. And it, it, we know that the, that the victors, if you will, write the, the, write the history and write the different things that we study. And so I think our, our liberal friends have a lot to do with the fact that we don't know civics, and our liberal churches have a lot to do with the fact that we don't understand uh, Scripture the way that we should. And that's the end of that soapbox. We're going to talk to Elaine calling from Kansas now. By the way, number to call is 888-589-8840. And now we're going to talk to Elaine. Hi, Elaine. Hello. Hello. Enjoy your program so very much. Look forward to it every day. But earlier, uh, you quoted Romans ten thirteen: Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Love that verse. That is also recorded in Acts two twenty one and Joel two thirty two in the King James Version. And I just feel that. Somebody would be blessed knowing that's repeated three times, almost word for word. Mm. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, there's no mm. doubt in that. And earlier, Alex, you were pointing out the scripture and and what we do to do that, and we do that from time to time. And I think it's important that we not only tell people that whosoever will be saved, we also tell them how. They can be saved. And so, uh, Elaine, we appreciate your kind words. Alex, any comments? 
Well, that's true. And you know what? There are some whosoever wills, even back in the Old Testament. Like if you read Isaiah 55, 1 through 7, uh, whosoever will, let him take of the, the bread of life. And Revelation 22, it's so beautiful. Before the Word of God concludes one last time, there's an, an altar call. Mm. Revelation 22, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. God has his arms open wide. And Jim, there might even be somebody listening right now. And maybe you're driving in the car, don't know where you are, but you, there might be somebody, and you, you're thinking, well, God couldn't still love me. I've, I've pushed God away for too many years. No, listen, God loves you. God cares about you. The Lord wants into your life. And maybe right now the Holy Spirit is just gently calling out to you. And I want to say to everybody hearing our voices right now, there's nothing you've ever done that God wouldn't forgive if you'll turn to him today and ask him. Amen. And maybe you've procrastinated and you've you've kind of turned away from God for, for a long, long time. He's as close by as a prayer. And if you will turn to Jesus today and say, Lord, help me. And Lord, please forgive my sins. And Lord, save me. Jesus Christ will give you a clean slate today. And and your brand new start can happen right now if you'll put put your faith in Jesus. And folks, if if you are struggling with that and you would like to know more about Christ, let me encourage you to call our friends at Need Him. That's one eight hundred need him. One eight hundred need him. See if we can get Deb from Mississippi in. She's been holding patiently. Deb, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, Deb. Hey, sorry. Oh, quick question. I appreciate your show so much. I love listening to y'all every day. Um, is there anything in in end time prophecy that would shed light, like maybe with artificial intelligence? Is, will that be a part of something, or is there anything that in the Bible that would make sense with that? Do you know what, Jim, let, let me say this, and by the way, that is a really great question. In Revelation thirteen fifteen, all right, the Antichrist has taken over the world, and everybody is mandated, you've got to worship uh, the Antichrist, take the mark of the beast, and, th- and they put up this image that has the power, Revelation 13, 15, the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So there's the beast and the false prophet. So there's going to be the Antichrist, that's the beast. There's going to be the false prophet, who's kind of almost the press secretary for this worldwide dictator. But then there's going to be this image of the beast that seems to have almost supernatural ability to speak and do deceptive miracles, or they appear to be miracles. Now, here's my point, Jim. I've seen things years and years and years ago. I saw some robotic dog that would run and fetch a tennis ball. It was a robot, but it was like a little dog robot. There's so many things now they can do with uh, speech and artificial intelligence. I can absolutely see that we've got enough technology that there could be some demonic robot mm. that people have to worship. And maybe it knows all, as you approach it with your mobile device, it knows your history, and you think it's God, but it's not God. It, it's a dark, demonic computer. But, Jim, we might be living in those very near those times. We sure might. Folks, that's going to do it for this afternoon. Bianca, I'm sorry we weren't able to get to you. I'm Jim Stanley, and I've been sitting in for Bert today along with my good friend Alex McFarland. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out.